Amen. If you are uh, like me, I think we're all in a little bit of the same boat, you just wonder what each day will hold. You wonder what new piece of information, uh, what new mandate, uh, what new order will come, either from the city or the county or our nation. It feels to me there are so many moments this past week where we, where we settle into a uh, what w- the information we have, what we're to do, and, and then the next day or the day after, it all needs to change. You have so much on your mind, but I just for a moment want to share to bring you at, uh, at peace as to how we're living out uh, the most recent orders. If you are, and I'm sure many of you have been counting, what you'll count is that there's only 10 of us participating on the camera today. What we've done is spread out our production folks so that we can best um, follow the order that was given just a few days ago. But because of the day we live in, (laughs) and new day brings new information, um, the order that was given three days ago didn't really say anything specifically about houses of worship, and now there is an order that speaks about houses of worship. And so in many ways, it's a, a day at a time and a week at a time what's possible for the future for us as of today is that that number 10, uh, at least for while we're streaming, while we're bringing this what we believe, and I know you believe this too, I pray if you don't, you will, that what is essential for us at this time is for the gathered worship experience. And so as we bring this essential ministry, this essential moment, um, the governor has allowed for a little more flexibility than the way we're executing right now, but we're going to move forward with wisdom and, and, and ask the Lord how he wants us to be in this time. I've got to tell you, my biggest goal during this time for this moment, for the preaching of God's word, is if, if God and the government would allow, I'd love to keep this as live as possible. And that's for me. That's not saying anything about other pastors or churches in this moment. I'm saying that because I know me, and I know what tempts me. And frankly, it's the context of the very scripture that we're speaking about. You see, what we've begun to see in the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus speaks about this tension, this tension that's present for human beings who are trying to follow God, or who at least want to be associated with God, that there's this temptation that in our devotion to God, there are moments we're much more interested in what other people think about us than what God thinks. If you recall, a few weeks ago, we talked about giving, that there's this way of giving. For some, they were announcing it with the trumpets, letting everyone know how generous they are. And Jesus instructs, he says, I don't even want your right hand to know what your left hand is doing. I know for me that if I have to pre-record these messages, and if I do, God's working on me just like he's working on all of us right now. Uh, If I have to pre-record these messages, I'll be much more tempted to make it perfect, to make sure you like it to make sure it comes out crisp and clean. And there's something about being in this moment together where it grounds me in the task of being faithful to God and to his word without thinking about what you think. Although I did pick out a nice sweater for you today, didn't I? See, what we're going to see today and what we're going to see for future weeks, and we're pulling an audible. If you are falling, you need to. We're doing that every day. But we're going to slow down a little bit in the Sermon on the Mount because I believe there's a gift here from God. There's a gift for us, because today we start on that next act of righteousness. Jesus speaks about giving, and and now he's going to teach us about prayer, because it's even in prayer. 
even in one of the most intimate ways of connecting with the God in the universe, that human beings, you and me, have a temptation to take what is meant to be dialogue, what is meant to be an intimate conversation between a human and the living God, but to even do that for other people and not for God. And what I love about these, uh, these acts of righteousness and this teaching of Jesus in, in the sixth chapter of Matthew is that he doesn't just call out our human temptation to give so that everybody thinks we're awesome, to pray so that everybody's impressed with our words, to fast so everybody knows how spiritual we are. He doesn't just call out our human motivation and shame us. He calls out the human reality, and he gives us instructions on then how to do these things. It's a very practical teaching. Yes, he's, his accusations should sting a little bit. They sting me. But they shouldn't leave us without hope. He gives us a way. And so in each moment, we will see that although the human tendency is to make it for others, for humans, for mankind, when we should have our direction towards God, he gives us a way to get back to God. And so really, this teaching, these three acts of righteousness over and over again are an invitation by Jesus to have intimacy with God over and over again. Instead of performance for one another, intimacy with Jesus. And I think today what you will see as we begin a couple-week series now on prayer, and I'll explain why we're doing that in a moment, I think you'll see what I'm coming to see and to recognize is that it's in the secret, it's in the quiet, it's in the unseen spaces where we can cultivate intimacy with God, unlike any other space. And so would you please stand for the reading of God's Word. We are just going to read verses 5 through 13 in Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And if you didn't stand, that's okay. But next week, I need you to stand. Like I've said, I mean, this whole teaching, in, in, starting in chapter 6, that's going to continue on for a, a bit, is Jesus uh, teaching us about what it looks like to create intimacy with God. How, how intimacy, how relationship is formed with God. And over and over again, whether it's not letting our, our right hand know what our left hand is doing, and now for the very way and location of how we pray, it's Jesus giving us instructions 
that there's this secret reality, there's this unseen reality, there's this quiet reality for those who want to follow God, and it's in that unseen, it's in that quiet, it's in that space where connection is forged, where intimacy is cultivated. The default for humanity, as I've always said, and not just our relationship with God, is that we can go about our lives trying to impress other people trying to be more concerned about what others think about what we're doing than what we're actually doing. Even in prayer, the, the front part of this, and in, in, in verse 5, and, and he continues on in the next few verses, he's talking about even this temptation to, to try to babble, to try to impress God with our words. In essence, what Jesus is saying is you, you don't need to perform for God. But the problem with you and with me is we spend our lives performing for other people. For many of us, the main way we receive and received attention when we were children or adolescents, the way that adults would give us applause and say that we're doing well is when we were achieving. So when we, when we did it right athletically, or when we accomplished something academically, or we did something that gave someone a sense that we were doing something right, we were impressing somebody, we were achieving, we were performing, these are the moments where we feel like we're like we're valid, where we feel like what we're doing makes sense. I'll tell you, that's my story. I've shared my story so often with so many of you. It's a, it's a story not unlike many of you. It's a story in which when I was in middle school, my parents went through a divorce, and I learned pretty quickly that I was good at some things. And when I did those things, there were a lot of adults and a lot of people who were very impressed with the things that I do. So whether I was running for school government or sitting on the school board as a student of Ventura County Unified, or whether it was leading in my church or my youth group, I knew that when I stood up and talked, everybody thought I was great. See, the only problem with that is when you bring that habit into a relationship with God, when you bring that habit into the, uh, into the church, you start believing that, that God is interested in my performance, that God is really pleased with Jeff when I deliver a great sermon. That God is really impressed with Jeff when, when people can come up to me and say, man, that prayer, that was amazing. See, my story is one where I've, I've, I've mixed up and I have to unlearn all the time that my performance is not what God is asking for. My achievement isn't something that God is impressed with. The accolades in which I receive don't say anything about my devotion to God, that my devotion to God, my connection with Jesus is forged not in the public space, it is cultivated in the quiet space. And do you see why we're going to pause here for a couple of weeks? Because Jesus says one of the greatest temptations when it comes to prayer, not only is that you're going to try to impress God with what kind of words we say. I've heard this from some of you. You won't even pray in public because you don't know how to pray. How sad. And I pray that in this season, you can cultivate freedom. But Jesus also gives this temptation. He says, a lot of people like to go out on the street corners and pray so that everybody can be really impressed by them. It's the public prayer in which Jesus is speaking about. So it asks the question of all of us, myself included, how much have you been praying this week when you're removed from the public? Are all your prayers on Sunday morning at 393 North Lake Avenue? 
Is the main time that you pray when you're in, the, in, in a physical space of church? Are all, the, the most of the time you pray when you're with your adult class or in your small group? If the only time in which we are praying or the majority of time in which we are praying is when other people are gathered, that's an important part. But, but there's something in this teaching about the intimacy with God that's cultivated in the quiet space. And so at least for the foreseeable future, uh, the street corners aren't a temptation for us. Jesus has taken care of that temptation. I, I mean, I guess for some of us, we can make the internet our street corner. We can spend lots of time trying to impress people with the kinds of updates we put on Facebook or Instagram or the kinds of pictures we're putting up about how we are thriving in this season or linking to the right authors and articles. There, there can be a temptation for us in this season to keep trying to impress one another with with what we see, what we know, what we think. And my question, and I think what God is inviting all of us into, at least for this next season, is to reserve room for the quiet space, to reserve room for the intimate space, to cultivate intimacy with Jesus in the room that is closed. So my prayer and my hope for this message today and for the next couple of weeks is that we would do what Jesus is telling us to do, that we would learn how to pray. That, that we would learn how to pray. Some of you already know how to pray, but we together, as Pastor Chuck has already said, this, this, this interesting reality of following Jesus. Yes, Jesus is talking about our individual rooms. Go to your room, close the door, and then pray. But then he teaches us how to pray with the us and our. There's a collective reality. There's a communal reality to even the prayers that we pray in silence. The prayers that we pray behind the door. So Jesus, in chapter 6, speaks to this again to this human temptation, and he offers us, he invites us into a way of praying. Now, I've got to tell you, I grew up in the first few years of my life, I went to a Catholic school in kindergarten, in first grade, and second grade. Wasn't Catholic, but I was there. And I have vivid memories in second grade of being on the playground with my friends, and we had an old-school stopwatch, and we would hit start, and everybody would race to see how quickly they could get through the Lord's Prayer, as if it was a big drill. And, you would, you, and I think the reality for the Lord's Prayer of many of us is that we have come to understand the Lord's Prayer as a prayer that that we're supposed to memorize word for word, and it's great to memorize it word for word. But Jesus is inviting us in how we should pray, how to pray, not necessarily what to pray. So we're going to dig deeper into the Lord's Prayer to pull out what it looks like to pray. The Lord's Prayer, at least for us in this teaching and for the next few weeks, is not a script to memorize, but it's a model for connection. It's not a script to memorize, it's a model for connection. It's a model for faith. It's a model for intimacy with God. He's teaching us how to pray and not necessarily what to pray. So let's begin. Uh, real quick, what preambles this whole prayer is these words, our Father in heaven. I just want to briefly talk about them, and because Pastor Chuck did such a good job, I can even be more brief. But I want you to notice the word our that there's this public-private reality to our, our walks with Jesus, our relationship with God. Yes, we're to close the door. 
To cultivate intimacy with Jesus is a very personal reality, but it's even in the personal that we come to understand that our prayers are larger than ourselves. Our usness. We talk about that word. At least I think we've created that word here at Lake Avenue Church this year. There's an usness to even our private prayers. It happens through quiet and unseen devotion. So one of the things we ought to know from the start is if your prayer life is just about you, I understand crisis, and I understand the world we are living in right now. I understand the days of trouble. But in your prayers to Jesus, what should be cultivated is a love for the other, a connection in your prayers. Are your prayers outward? Are they bigger than just yourself? Do they in- encompass the ourness that Jesus instructs us to include? The Father word, our Father. This is radical language to those who are listening. I mean, we're used to it. We've already uh, had a song today about our good, good Father, but for the original hearers of Jesus' teaching, to, to refer to the living God as Father was incredibly controversial. Nobody spoke of a deity in that kind of intimacy. And I know so many of you, uh, you you've, you've read Abba Father by Brennan Manning, and you understand that it, there's some translation that can happen where it talks about uh, the, the word daddy. It's, that's not the word that's used here. But I want you to understand, when, when, when Jesus is speaking of God as Father, he is not, he is speaking about the kind of, um, the, the, the kind of relationship between a child and a parent. But don't be mistaken, it's not a casual relationship. It's a relationship of confidence, the kind of confidence that a child can come to their father with. And again, for many of you, it's really hard to understand God as father because you've had a broken relationship with your own father. And so the fact of what Jesus is getting at, that the freedom and the confidence with which a child can come and speak to their father, if that's not your story, this becomes a barrier at times for understanding what a true father is, what a good, good father is. That's why we sing the songs that we sing, to help retrain our brains off of what we know. There's a confidence when we call God Father, the confidence that the youngest child comes to when they run into their parents' arm. It's a, it's a, it's a title that, again, encourages and demonstrates and communicates intimacy the intimate relationship between a child and a father. And then our father in heaven, heaven, this transcendent and sovereign reality, and now start seeing the tension. Start seeing the, 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 the massiveness of our God, one that we can come to with the confidence as a child comes, but one who is transcendent and sovereign over all. The beginning of this prayer is a model of prayer that opens with recognizing the we-ness, the us-ness, of the people of God and the ability for us together in the quiet, unseen spaces, the, the rooms that are closed, your houses that you cannot leave, that when we come together, we can approach the transcendent and sovereign God of this world as a child approaches a father. This should blow your mind, and if you are tuning in and you are new to Christianity, this is what sets Christianity apart from any other religion. We don't perform our way to God, we don't achieve our way to God, God is who he is, he's transcendent and sovereign, and he invites us to have intimate relationship with him, the kind of confidence of relationship that a child has with a parent. This is amazing. 
It's this preamble, it's this beginning, it's this framing that we see in verse 9 that's going to then shape what follows in the Lord's Prayer. And just so you know, the way we're going to come to understand and what the next couple of weeks are going to look like is there are about six different prompts within the Lord's Prayer. There are three prompts concerning God, and there are three prompts concerning humanity. If you know the prayer well, because you've memorized it, or you know it very well, the, the concerning God, we see that there's a prompt to his name, to his kingdom, and to his will. And then concerning man, there's a prompt towards daily bread, towards debts, and towards temptation. I want to, for the next couple of weeks, refer to the prompts that speak about God as the posture in which our prayer should take, the posture we take towards God. And the prompts concerning humanity, we'll call those petitions. We're going to talk about prompts, uh, we're going to talk about posture and petition. And what I want to do today is just simply take the first prompt of posture and the first prompt of petition, look at them separately, and then see how they might speak together, and then next week we'll take the second prompt, and the second, and the third, and so on. Because the reality is, friends, we have some time to cultivate some intimacy with God. And my biggest prayer for all of us, and, and you need to know it's my prayer for me too. Uh, this, uh, so, some of you are working more than you ever have worked. And so some of you have time and rooms to close doors, and some of you are just trying to scrape by right now. But no matter what your circumstance is, there's an invitation on all of our lives right now towards intimacy, towards connecting with God. And so for today, the two words I want you to memorize, to remember, are name and need. Name and need. First, the posture that our prayers ought to, to take, and I don't mean literal, but I, I mean in, in all of our being. When we come to pray to our Father, the transcendent, sovereign God that we can approach with freedom, our Father, we have to remember God's name. Verse 9 ends with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. See, in the Old Testament and in the time of Scripture, names were a big deal. In so many of your cultures, names are a huge deal. But you and I live in a time where uh, uh, some of us just pick names because they sound cool. I mean, I'll admit to you, with the last name Matisich, I knew I wanted boys that had strong names to go with that. So Henry and Russell, Hank and Russ Matisich, strong, masculine, determined names that were going to be amazing athletes and take on this world. And boys, be whoever you want to be. I'm just making a point that some of us don't take as much time to think about the meaning of a name. And yet so many of you in your culture or the way you've come to name your children or the, how you've received your name, it means something. But in the scripture, God's name expresses his person. God's name reflects who he is. Names are not a label Names are an identity for God. The name God, the name of God himself is that he's made known to us. It reveals God's divine nature and his eternal qualities. So in the scriptures, we can read the names of God. And again, they're not just neat names. They have deep meaning because the name declares identity. The name declares what is true. And so some of us know God through the scriptures as Jehovah Jireh. 
the God who provides. El Shaddai, the mighty God. In the scripture, everlasting Father, Holy One, Maker, Redeemer, the Shepherd, the Rock, the Hiding Place. God's name is who he says he is. One name of God in the scriptures we see more than any other name, nearly 7,000 times. It's the name Yahweh. In your Bible, in your English Bible, it's any time you see the word LORD written in all caps. That refers to the word, to the name Yahweh. The name given to Moses, when Moses asks God, when they ask who sent me, who should I say sent me? He just says, tell him I am sent you. That God is who he is. He's self-existent. He's self-sufficient. He's self-sustaining. He is the eternal Lord of all that is, all that was, and all that will ever be. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The name of God is how we begin our prayers, recognizing that we are praying to not just a generic name, but we are praying to a name that has identity. We are praying to a name that has meaning. We are praying to a name that has hope. We are praying to a name in our time of need when we say, you are Jehovah Jireh, you are the God who provides, we can pray to that name of God. And we hallow that name. We make that name holy. That is not a request for God to make his name holy. God's name already is holy. Holy is the name of God. It is set apart. This is not a prayer that we pray to remind God to make his name holy. He is already holy. He can't be more holy. But when we pray, hallowed be your name, what we are praying is we are imploring God to be himself. We are coming to God and we are saying, do something. You are who you are. You are all these things we can see in Scripture. You are all these things that we know to be true in our lives. And when we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we're saying, be you. Glorify yourself, God. Proclaim yourself to this world. My prayer, and I know so many of your prayers, and maybe why you're joining us today is because people are praying for you that the name of God would be holy for you. It would mean something to you. That maybe it's been a generic to this point in your life. But that the name of God would actually speak in this world right now louder than any other name. That the name of God would be the very name that brings the world hope right now. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we are asking God to show himself. We are asking God to reveal himself. We are asking him to make his name known. So brothers and sisters, when we pray, we remember that God's name is who we're praying to. We're not praying to a generic name. We are not praying to the universe. We are praying to the name above all names. We are praying to the only name that is self-existent, self-sufficient, self-sustaining. He is the eternal Lord of all that is, all that was, and all that will ever be. So the confidence in which we can pray in this time is that we are praying to a God of power. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name.
So you don't have to babble that one out. You don't have to rewrite that. You can put your own language, what what the name of God has been for you, what the names of God in the scripture that scream out to you. When you pray, close the door, go to that secret unseen place, and first take a posture and call on the name of God. When we pray, our posture is toward the name of the holy God, our attention, our direction, our recognition to whom we are praying to. So our posture is to the name, but then our petition. Because isn't this beautiful? We call on the name of God. We recognize the power of God. And in the model of prayer that Jesus gives us, he asks us to present our needs to him. He, he says, get, get the name right. And then tell me what you need. Ask for your daily bread. Talk to me with that kind of freedom. Give us, in verse 11, give us today our daily bread. As Chuck has already said, notice the us and our, the usness. The petitions that we place to God in his names need to be petitions that are beyond ourselves. Faith that is cultivated in private includes praying for the public. I want you to hear that. Faith that is cultivated in private includes praying for the public. It's recognizing that there's a a bigger story happening. And so some of you have, honestly, you have plenty of bread. You have plenty of daily provision for yourself. You still need to pray for for others to receive their daily need. It's not just about your provision. It's about the us and the our, and I have heard story after story this week about how you have not just prayed that, but you have answered your own prayers in becoming that, how God has used you to answer your own prayers. But here's what I love. Yes, there's an us and an our, but it's also inclusive of ourselves. It's also okay to ask for our daily portion, our daily need. When daily bread, very quite literally, just means that, food. I mean, the context of the audience of Jesus was they didn't have Costco, right? They didn't have big homes with with extra rooms that were pantries or refrigerators. You, You very much lived almost one day at a time at times. Maybe you could get a little bit further. And so the prayer for daily bread was a very real prayer in this context for food. Now I imagine for some of you, and all of us have some level of neighbor who this is the real prayer right now, just for food for today. But I think in our context, we can also expand that to go, what are the essential things that are needed for today? What are the daily provisions in which we're asking God to provide for ourselves and for one another at this time? Whatever is essential for daily life, and for some of you, what's essential for daily life right now is for your kids to take a nap. And if it's not your kids, I guarantee you there's somebody's kids who need to take a nap, or your pastor needs to sleep. You can pray... You can pray and ask God for the daily provision of one another. I think if you, if you, if you want to if you wanna have a boundary on this, I love how uh, Phil Riken, the president of Wheaton, says in his book around, about the Lord's Prayer, he says this is about needs, not greeds. So this is not the prayer we pray so that we can get that better car. This is not the prayer that we pray so that we can have the, the abundance, remember, we're coming out of a teaching, 
out of, uh, or we'll get to a teaching uh, around uh, storing up treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. I mean, this is about daily need. And right now, we need to be aware of what our daily needs are and bring those needs to the Lord for ourselves. But more than your own daily need, do you hear the call, the redundant call in this service, in this message, that you ought to know what the needs are of those around you in this time? Even if you're trapped at home, you can tap in and help provide prayers for daily need. When this was written, what it, what it meant was it was really kind of short term. I mean, the prayer for daily bread was one day at a time, the, the coming day. This isn't necessarily a prayer you have to just pray once a day. If you pray in the morning, you're asking God to provide for your daily needs throughout that day. If you pray this at night, it's praying that the next day you'll receive your daily need. There's a, there's a rhythm to this prayer of living one day at a time. And brothers and sisters at Lake Avenue Church, I think part of the invitation of this season is as best we can learn to live one day at a time. Before you go to bed, what do you need for tomorrow? What do you need for yourself? What do you need for your perspective? What do you need for your mental, spiritual health? What do you need in terms of food? What do your neighbors need for all of these things? There's an invitation in this prayer to live one day at a time, and I think this is a perfect season for us to try to do that. In a time and a culture where many of us have planned out the next 30 years of our lives, all these things are getting stripped away, and it's an invitation by God saying, hey, it's in this quiet space, it's in this room, away from the public, where I'm going to cultivate intimacy with you, where I'm going to change you, and I'm going to teach you how to have a daily dependence on me. So our prayers are for one day at a time, they're for you, they're for others, and they're directed toward the idea of what this day is needed. Can I share some stories like Avenue Church about how you are daily meeting one another's needs? And these are just things that are getting to me. You know, I heard about a couple families, different families, different parts of the valley, same prompt by the Holy Spirit. Kids writing notes with email addresses and phone numbers going to neighbors' homes that they knew who were in the at-risk category, elderly neighbors saying, if you need anything, here's what we have at our house. We've got plenty of trash bags, we have toilet paper, we have eggs, we have fruit. You just call the number, we will wear gloves, we'll drop it on your, no questions, we don't need your money. That happened, and I know that's happened more than just those two families. I shared one in an update that we have a student connected to our ministry who needed to suddenly move out of San Diego State and uprises people from Lake Avenue Church Gloves, masks, and a whole nine, driving down to San Diego to help move this student and get this student home. I know a family, and some of you are more in tune to this, you know that if you want your, your Instacart, your Costco delivery, it takes days. This person could not get a delivery time. And once that person got a delivery time at four in the morning, they realized in the note that you can still add to that order for multiple days. And so that was the prompt from the person to reach out to neighbors, to friends, to say, I've got an open order. It's coming Tuesday. Just let me know what you need. I think this person was requesting money, though, for Costco. But the idea that I've received something, I've been given a gift in this season, and it's not just for me, it's for all. Birthday celebrations. We have one today. I got a note from a classmate uh, of, of my sons, and later today we will drive over to his street 
and have our own version of the Rose Parade and honk and give affirmation. That happened on our street with our sweet neighbor who's going to make every sermon, I think, for the next few weeks. She turned 16, and all day you showed up Lake Avenue Church. And the story I love most is when her pastor, Perry, came and just started screaming out the window of his car all the things he appreciates about her, how God has made her, and spoke truth into her life. Daily need. I've heard stories this week of welcome to old school letter writing, sharing letters of encouragement, speaking to people you haven't spoken to in a long time, phone calls that have been made, so many of you who who aren't as comfortable with technology, getting more comfortable with technology so that you can be a blessing of Jesus. See, daily bread in some of those stories is very literal. Let me know what you need today. How can I bless you today? Some of that daily bread are words that we need to be giving to one another in this season, encouragement that we need to give to one another in this season. And I I want you to hear this, and I don't know if you're following all the updates, but Lake Avenue Church, God has positioned us in a most amazing way to be such a multifaceted blessing to one another and to this community and to this globe at this time. And we, we, we really need to populate these neighborhood zones because yes, my high priority, our high priority right now is, is you making sure you have what you have, but I guarantee you in the next week or so, we're gonna start infiltrating those neighborhoods in creative ways so that the people of Jesus can be the hands and feet of Jesus in your community. So I need you to go to our website. I need you to sign up. Even if you think we have everything about you, please, this is allowing us to clean up so much stuff here administratively. We need to mobilize one another to be the people who answer our own, that God uses to answer our own prayers, to meet the daily needs that are present in this world and in this community right now. And let me say this, and it's all over our website, it's in every communication, if you have needs right now and you don't have time, you don't have time for us to organize neighborhood communities, you don't have anybody, and you're like, I wish those kids lived on my street, there's a phone number you can call, and I promise you, we have people ready to go. I had a Zoom call with a bunch of our young adults the other night, they're, they're healthy, they're ready, they're going to follow everything, and they're going to get you what you need. So if you have any needs, please call the number on our website. So Lake Avenue Church, how do, we, how do we combine the name of God with the needs? I mean, I hope, hope the Spirit is making connections for you. Let's bring it all together. It's only in the name of Jesus. It's only in the name of Jesus where our needs can be fulfilled. It's only in the name of Jesus where our usness is cultivated. It's only in the name of Jesus where we become the people of God. That we can pray for him to meet our daily need, our daily bread, but how he empowers us to be his hands, his feet, his voice, his presence, to be the bringers of daily bread. So some questions for you. Oh, I pray that you are hearing. Can you hear God inviting you into intimacy in this season? In so many ways, this is a season to endure, yes. In many ways, this is a season that comes with incredible fear on so many levels for so many of you. But in the midst of all of that. Do you hear an invitation from God for intimacy? He's taken away all the temptation to impress one another. He's giving us a season in this. We can seize the season of this. Let me be clear, I don't think God's causing all this. But I think God will use any brokenness in the world to bring redemption.
And he is giving you and me an invitation for connection and intimacy in a way that could forever change not only ourselves, but change this world. I pray that you accept the invitation of Jesus. Next question, what name are you turning to right now? What name are you tuning into? And let me be clear, if you wake up and Savannah Gunthrie is the first name you're looking for, it's time to, to right the ship a little bit. That's a really important name. God has given us great reporters right now, well, some of them. God has given us people who can keep us up to speed, amazing medical experts. But Lake Avenue Church, if we are more eager to hear from other names than the name of God, we've got a priority issue. And I'm asking you to make sure that in your day, you are giving the only name, the only name that is above all other names priority in your life. Here's the great thing, you don't have to babble. You don't have to take up hours upon hours. Maybe, maybe that's what God wants for you. He wants you to just call on his name, present your need, start your day, end your day, every hour on the day, whatever it is at this moment. But the name of God needs to be loud and frequent in your life right now. There's a lot of names competing for attention. There are a lot of names competing for power. There are a lot of names competing for, for, for wisdom. But the name above all names is the name of God, Yahweh. Search him, find him, make his name a priority. And with an uncertain timeline, Lake Avenue Church, what does daily provision not only mean for you? What does it mean for us? What's your us? What's your our? Some of you can't leave your house to get tangible things like bread for one another. But you can do a whole lot in your prayers. You can do a whole lot in your writing. You can do a whole lot in your words. This is not a time where you shut down your, your us-ness. This is a time where we build our us-ness. You know, we said it's so interesting a few months ago, we're a church in motion. One of our priorities this year is we want to we want to make movements towards God. The word we talked about was intimacy. We want to make movements towards one another. The word we talked about was our usness. I'm sorry that's the way I've been praying. But I think God's hearing our prayers, and He is on the move among us to create an usness, to create intimacy with Himself. Parents, you just need to do one day at a time right now. Some of you who are vulnerable, one day at a time right now. But each day has an opportunity for connection and intimacy. As we conclude our service, I'll invite our musicians up. I want to make you aware that I want lots of us to be praying in those quiet rooms. But we are going to pray together too. And we've had a church prayer night that's had to adjust a little bit in the last couple of weeks. But I want you to stay tuned for information, but Pastor Matthew John will be leading on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, 6 to 7, an all-church prayer gathering. And we're doing that this week with the hopes of figuring out rhythms this week for all of our church things so we can be doing this every week. Meaning, guess what? You have some things on your schedule. I know you've had so many great happy hours and dinners over Zoom with your friends, but I need you to make sure you have your worship time committed to 
And I need as many of us to start committing to this hour of prayer at 6 to 7, that we could come together and pray together. Not to babble for one another. Maybe that's the beauty. that we, we don't have time to babble. We don't have the technology for everybody to do all that. But that we can come together and pray to the name of God and watch him provide for not only our needs, but this world's needs. God, we need your help. These are days of trouble, but in the midst of trouble, I pray that we would all sense your invitation towards intimacy. And God, I pray that your name, the name above all names, would be the loudest name in every home this week. That your name would be the loudest name in every heart this week. That your name would be the loudest name in every mind this week. And that we would watch you be you. Hallowed be your name. Declare your name in this world right now. Use us, Father. Be yourself. Bring glory to yourself in this circumstance. And we, we ask, not only for our daily need, but that in this moment, in this season, our daily need as an entire world would be found in the name of Jesus. Amen.